Welcome, listeners, fans, Cavian cult members. If you're listening, you have arrived to the most important street in the world, Jubilee Street, a music podcast. This week, myself, Jake Curtis, and my seminal co-host, Ian McCurtis, are going to talk about a new exclusive, beautiful, mesmerizing, and tantalizing Nick Cave spoken word track. And Ian, what's that track called? As the Smiths would say, shyness. Or would it be more like, shyness, I wish I knew you, shyness. Shyness kind and shyness can stop you. <laughs> I can't sing like Morrissey. It's close. Uh, how's everybody doing out there? Ian, how you doing over there in the alternate dimension? Getting ready for a wedding, I hear. How are we two years in and you don't understand? I, I can't talk to you in the alternate dimension. If we are talking to each other, that I am in this dimension you're in. You know how much pot I smoke? I don't remember I don't anything. You're still asking these questions after so long. I'm a big pothead. I smoke the pots. You're a big pothead. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the guy from... Uh, What's that guy from the Animaniacs, Professor Monkey for a Head or whatever? You're a big podhead as in P.O.D. the band. Oh. Or as a big podcast fan, like podhead, kind of like a hobbit head, but with podcasts. When you're doing that intro, uh, listeners, Jake has this background that is like, you know, a bright light and these explosions and all this color. And he was doing the, explo- the intro and he had his hands up and it looked very religious, very... Uh, cult leader-esque well uh, I felt like I was supposed to give you a tithe for my checks um, well you know as it happens I have a a box of money here and I could use a little more spare change so yeah I'll put I'll drop something in the donation bucket after this just you wait when you what do you what do you what's your first impressions of shyness um before we talk about the spoken word track that came out before this, or if we even want to compare it to that, what would you think? Um, did you have a special relationship to this particular Red Hand Files? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I guess enough in that when I heard this, I was like, oh, I remember this one. But not really. I mean, I don't know if I have really a special relationship to any of the Red Hand Files. I read them, and I really like them. But... It's sort of like like Nick Cave is so poetic and moving. Getting it every week, it's like so much of a good thing that it's hard for any of them to have an impact on you. At least for me, because it's like mm-hmm. consistent greatness. It, it's hard to like. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I have a hard time putting in words. No, I know what you mean. We get. I'm realizing the longer we do the podcast, he is one of the biggest artists in the world and releases stuff consistently. Whereas, yeah, when it's consistent, it's hard to, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't sit around thinking about old ones because there's like always a consistent moving, beautiful thing happening. He, he's fucking busy. I mean, I don't know if you heard about this, but he's going to be, he's going to play HG Wells in a new Benedict Cumberbatch movie. 
I did see that. I meant to text you. You know, we're going to be watching that. We'll be covering that. Yeah, so, you know, listeners, KV and Colt members, you know, GB followers, like, keep an eye out for that movie. He's got that memoir coming out. They've got the B-sides and rarities. I'd be willing to bet first thing 2022 they're going to drop a Bad Seeds record. And he's on tour. And he's on tour. And I've been seeing all the pictures, and it looks so awesome. I'm excited for him to do a an American, North American tour. Um, American. Uh, some of those red, white, and blues. You know what I'm saying? Here's my first thought when I was listening to this song. I was... The other day I was watching this live stream of this comic book artist I like, Zoe Thorogood, and she was just kind of like inking and just like chatting, kind of like Ed Pisker does sometimes, and she's British, and it was just so like lovely just to listen to her talk about like video games. Yeah. Because the accent's just pleasing, and it's the same thing hearing Nick do these spoken word songs. It's just like... Very nice to listen to him talk because I enjoy the accent. And my question is, do you think British and Australian people feel that way about their own voice? And do you think they ever hear they ever think that way about our voices? Where they're like, oh man, I just love hearing those Americans talk. It's so soothing. If you're asking probably me not. to speculate, I think Nick Cave probably has like a country accent fetish where like he get he like probably enjoys like like a southern accent like a southern united states accent because he's so into southern gothic but that's just a speculation like i i imagine that we don't like our voices but somebody out there might be like wow they have you know i like their voice i you know i don't i I, i'm in australia and everybody sounds like australian or everybody sounds British, or everybody sounds, like, you know, South African. Wouldn't you say the average American likes listening to the average British person talk? Like, it's, it's just a nice accent. And I wonder if that is reciprocated the other way. That's the most fun thing about Ted Lasso, isn't it? You get to hear Roy Kent. Um, Sam's from Ethiopia, but Sam has an ex, like an awesome accent. Got a accent. Um, and then like even Jamie and Nate and Jamie's Rebecca, ugly. I Sorry. mean, uh, I don't know if he's but, North, what is that? North England. I don't know what that accent is. Don't like it. I like, uh, you know, I, Ashling Bea, you know her, she's a comedian. She's, I think she's Irish. She has a no. great voice. Um, she has a show called this way up on Hulu. That's pretty good. I've watched, uh, the first season with Haley a while back. Um, new season just came out. Um, but yeah, shout out Zoe Thorogood and shout out Nick Cave. I was just like, I just like hearing these people with these accents. I like talk. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to bring up that I think we probably brought up in the past with Nick is there were these releases that were pretty, they weren't like important, important to me and more so than I think Ian was probably more into him. But this band Law Dispute that we've brought up before, they did a series of spoken word projects. I think they were just called like, you know, like one, two, here, here. three. Here, it was called Here, Here. Um, and these remind me a lot of those, even though 
these are more sort of ambient, noisy, like minimal productions. And then I think a lot of that here, here stuff is very like of that time where it was like kind of stringy, noodly guitar, um, clapping, you know, minimal, I guess, in its own way. But th- those, this really reminded me of those as far as how they're, they seem to be conceived. Also, the orchestra warming up, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's like the loading music for PlayStation 4, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, listen to it again and then I don't turn know. Your, P- your PlayStation on. Tell me it's not the <laughs> same thing. That's really funny. Uh, well, I heard it and I was like, oh my God, is this like, until I knew he performed this with a live orchestra, but I didn't know that when I was listening to it. And I was like, are they sampling like video game music here? Uh, which would be cool. And I could see Warren, you know, pulling from that with how much he's experimenting with electronic stuff these days. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in it. A lot of cool music choices. And um, I think it's, more interesting than the uh, letter to Cynthia. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The one they released prior. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the significance is for the moth being the animal in the YouTube video for the song? Wasn't it a hummingbird in the letter to Cynthia one? Hummingbird in letter to Cynthia and then moth in this one. And then you think it should have been a hummingbird in this one because he mentions a hummingbird. Hmm. I don't know. I, uh, I'm guessing there's going to be more of these to come, and maybe they'll all just have flying things fluttering their wings. I don't know. I think if I had to guess, there's a there's a sense of brevity to both of the these spoken word tracks. I think stylistically they seem very akin and like similar to one another. Um. Though I think I like this one because it Letter to Cynthia has a lot more emotion to it in that I think it's just an, a more emotional topic, whereas Shyness is very universal. It's very relatable. It doesn't hurt always to think about Shyness because everybody has been shy at some point in their life. And this song feels less like a healing song, which I feel like a lot of... Skeleton Tree and Ghost Teen and parts of Carnage feel like healing songs, especially Ghost Teen, and they're really exhausting to listen to. They're beautiful, and they're some of the best Bad Seeds out like songs, but they're exhausting sometimes in that they require you to feel things, regardless of whether you want to or not, you know? And... If I, if you'll if you'll indulge me, I have a, a short little uh, story. So I loved the last section of this when he talked about his wife Susie and her hummingbird shyness, and how in social show the social <laughs> social situations she displays herself for a magical weightless moment, and then darts away. It is as if she is so acutely tuned. Ac- acutely tuned into the inherent discomfort of others, whether they display it or not, that the situation becomes overwhelming. She is a rare thing, an exhibitionist that hates to be seen. And then we're going to skip. 
In the end, I did what was a potentially life-deranging act and lunged hideously and impulsively through the membrane of our mutual shyness, grabbed my future wife, and kissed her. She responded in kind, and our shyness dropped away. And, well, the symphony began. So I might have told this story on the podcast before, but the way that my girlfriend and I met and, uh, and the way that I see myself controlling the trajectory of that being more than like a fling or like a hookup was I was working at the great escape and wild and woolly was going out of business and it just so happened that a night or a night, it was like a, a, it was like a movie store, kind of like a independent. Oh blockbuster. yeah. Wild and woolly was like one of the coolest stores in Louisville that will probably never exist again, where they sold like, DVDs and Blu-rays, and at at one point, at one point, pro- they probably sold VHS like in bulk by the time I was going there. But they didn't just have like blockbuster, like you know, not the store blockbuster, but blockbuster like action movies or Disney movies. They had that stuff, but they had like horror sections, and they had sections that were curated by the, you know, the staff and their. I think there's an episode of Mr. Corman that might be about that. I, I can't remember whether they cover that or not. But so I asked my boss, Sonia, can I go check out the sale and take like kind of a long lunch? And she's like, yeah, sure. And we had, they gave us like 40 minutes, 40 minute lunch breaks at that job. So, and I definitely took like a couple extra minutes here and there. And it was so, it was cool that she let me go. So I went down there and I'm shopping around. The store is like empty. You know, it just kind of looks like it's going to close and it's kind of depressing. But, you know, there's like a line all the way to the door of people getting stuff. So like I just get in the line and then as I'm like we're moving forward, I start like looking at shelves and like coming. I'll be like, I'm going to go grab something off the wall and then I'll go grab. So I grab like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and... Deep Red, which is a Dario Argento movie. Anywho, so I'm waiting in line, and then I see somebody behind me, and I and I and I, I, I we make eye contact, and then I look away, and I'm like, where do I know this person from? And it was Haley, and it's one of these kind of things where like, it could have gone a different way, and my life probably would have been completely different. But I, I left the line, and I said, hey. I feel like I've uh, Haley, right? We met the other night and she like lit up and she's like, hi. Yeah. Uh, I'm just returning boyhood. I rented it and I just finished watching it like last night. So I wanted to return it. And I was like, okay, cool. It's nice to see you. And I gave her a hug and I said, well, what are you guys doing tonight? Are you, are you getting into anything? She's like, oh, I don't know. You can, uh, you can, uh, I had her friend's number and her, she lived with her friends. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll text her. I'll text her friend. And, Maybe I'll see you later. And the rest is history. Because eventually we hung out one night. She invited me over, just us two. And I was so shy that I probably waited like eight hours. And then there was a moment where I was just like, I asked her, can I kiss you? And she said, "Uh, yeah, I've been waiting like all night. (laughs) And then we just like, passionately started like making out and um you know the rest was history and i remember it feeling really ugly and weird and intense and like 
passionate and fun. And this song reminded me of that. And I feel like that's one of the most beautiful moments of my life. So that is my six-minute story. It's a great story. Did you, do, you, do you think uh, Haley felt the shyness as well? I think she was shy in her own way. I think that she was more of a she was more forward than me growing up. You know, she she dated more people. I was very shy. I was a late bloomer. So I think that she was confused that this guy that she was into was like not just like immediately like jumping on her because I think that she'd, you know, met people that were kind of just more, you know, more forward about that and she was, you know, forward about it too. So she was probably sitting there the whole night like, why is this guy like not, you know, making a move? And she actually told me, this was after we had been dating for a long time. And she was like, she's like, yeah, it was weird to me then. But like, now I'm glad that you did that because it like made you stand out from other guys who just would like do whatever they wanted to me. And so I guess if there's a lesson in there, it's like Nick perfectly describes it, but shyness became the firewall through which we walked to a strange and different world. And here we are together. And like, I think had I not been, had I been any other version of myself in that moment, my life would have been different. And I think that's, what's so cool about like, you kind of know when you're stepping on, like you're stepping off of the diving board and you have that brief moment where you can pull one of your legs back and, you know, catch yourself, go back down the ladder and, be like, I'll try again later. But I think like something happened, you know, and it responded in kind and our shyness dropped away and the symphony began, you know, it's, it is romanticism at its highest. And it reminds, I don't, I, I sent this to you, but they released like a list of, um, Nick Cave's like top 15 poets and a lot of them are like romantic poets. So it was cool to sort of see like, he's just, he can't, he can't help himself. You know, he loves this stuff. That beginning like nervousness at a beginning of a relationship is, is like a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's important. And it's also like what makes it so gratifying when, you do first kiss someone or, you know, have sex or sleep with them. And sometimes it's like you meet up in a parking lot and you've only been like texting each other for better part of a year or for or longer than that. And then, you know, you get to spend, you spend some like passionate time with each other, like in the backseat of a, of a van <laughs> with some blankets and you know sometimes people do that and i think that's beautiful too because i think a lot of the important stuff about love is like patience and kindness and like the stuff that's harder to appreciate in our world it seems like more and more with like dating apps and you know how digital and like facetious love and relationships seem to be getting now that sounds like a very old man thing to say but um because I, I think that you can – I never really wanted to find any – like date anybody that I met on an app. But I think that it's completely normal and cool if that is what happens because these are these things are invented to help people meet each other. And I think most of the time they do their job, you know, even if it's just for like a one-night stand or something. The The way he describes the like 
beginning of their relationship is something I didn't realize, you know, when I was younger and, and dating more, but fe- I think feeling that nervousness is like, is crucial. Like, like, I think that's like your body telling you that it's like important because I'm sure we both like been on a date or hooked up with someone and you didn't feel that nervous or like didn't feel much of anything at all. Yeah. You know? And that's not yeah. something you realize when you're younger in the moment. But then now I can look back and be like, the times I was nervous were the times it was worth it to be nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It That shyness, I think, I think for me, a lot of my life, I ran away from events that gave me any kind of anxiety or made me feel like more so like I recoiled into my shell and I regret all of the ones that I felt that way that I didn't follow through and I regret and that I wish I'd like, like, you know, when I was working on that hip hop documentary with those guys, like I wish I'd like tried a little bit harder and like been willing to like deal with a little bit more and not like back out once. I mean, it got kind of weird admittedly, but I could have probably like stayed in it for the editing and not have been so much a part of the experience. I've always had a weird relationship with the concept of shyness because you you said like regret. I always feel like shyness is, you know, like wishing you could be more outgoing or after a situation, wishing you would have said something. And unfortunately I think I'm just antisocial because I am pretty quiet, but I don't ever regret it being that way mm-hmm. I, I i i don't know i th- I think i have a weird like half shyness where I, i'm able to be pretty forward but i'm also you know i don't know i've always had a weird relationship with the concept i'm definitely extroverted but there are times where i wish i was like i think i'm i'm i might be one of those rare like hybrid people who like not rare i'm sure there's a lot of people like this but like in certain situations i'll be like the most extroverted person in the room. And then this would happen a lot when I would hang out with like just people that like Mike would make me feel so comfortable being myself. But then everybody, I, I would do things that were like in my sense of humor that I thought Mike would get. And then I would do those same things around them. And I would immediately like get super clammy and sweaty and feel like everybody hated me. And I think that's kind of like how shyness embodies itself in me is it's like I don't want to get hurt by like putting myself out there. So it's a constantly like when I do feel shy, it's like a constant battle to like, you know, I have to finish tuning up so that I can actually like play the symphony. Like I I have to be okay with failing in order to like succeed and I think in all the moments, like in the, like, and that group of people, let's be honest, like they weren't, they weren't my people. They're great. They're good guys, but they're not, they weren't my, they weren't my people. Like I have a very specific like sense of humor and it's not for everybody. And I was, I was gross. <laughs> I mean, I did like gross jokes and, you know, I would kind of cross lines and sometimes I would get a little too chummy with people that like didn't like that. And I think that that's another sort of aspect of being shy is like you, you might not read the room well and you have, so you have to learn how to read the room better. And I think it's a really important tool. And 
I think that's why this song really like resonated with me and made like made me reminisce and it's just another great example of how I think Nick Cave really knows how to tap into like universal truths of humanity. I, I think in social situations if I'm around a bunch of shy or awkward people, I'm able to sort of like lead the group yeah. and make people feel comfortable. Uh, like I think a lot about like, not you in particular, but a lot of the people you would hang out with in college were like kind of more awkward people. A lot of the like, you know, more like just people into video games and I could hang out with them and I think kind of like break the ice. But if I'm with an extroverted person, I just use them as a crutch and let them do it, and then just like fade into the background. And I think people like Mike Stewart, people, Cody Ray. There's been people in my life where I think I, I do like I use them as a crutch to just let me not do any of the social work. Yeah, not social work, but you know what I mean. That's probably why. Uh, like, like, there were people that we've known and worked with who were like more awkward and shy than us. So we had to, even if you or I consider myself a shyer person. We would have, have to, to become a, the default extrovert. We would have to like, con, uh, what's it called? Um, we would have to carry them, essentially, compensate. like compensate. We would have to compensate for their awkwardness, like. And I think there are just people that's who a, aren't very bad. good at it. There's like, there's like the good awkward where like, there's like a nervous energy, and you're like, you know, you, you're both kind of like batting at it, like trying to break through it. But then there's like the bad awkward, like you said, where you're like, I know how to talk to people. Like, why is this so weird? Yeah. It doesn't get better. And you know what? Anytime I felt that from someone, I might give them like one more chance. But after that, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. We're not hanging. I'm not hanging out with you because it's just, it's not worth it. It's not fun. You know, I'm not, I don't hang out with people just to hang out with people. Like we, especially the older we get, like you got to prioritize that shit. Like if somebody doesn't, isn't fun, <laughs> then fuck them, you know? They're great. They can be a great person. Look, I've always, I've always felt like there was this kind of misogyny with the concept of shyness. And what I mean by that is, I felt like when I was a kid, everyone would say I was shy because I was quiet. That's just what you say about quiet kids. They're shy. Then as I got older, I felt like me being quiet was like, you know, I've heard this from other people who I've gotten to know where I was like, because I would go out to shows and like I go out and do stuff, if I'm quiet, people are like it draws people in because they're like, oh, I want to know that person. It's like this mystery. But I think that only really applies to men. Like I feel like when women are like that, it's like, oh, they're shy and it's like a negative quality. It's like oh, they're like cold and they're closed off. And we give men like the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, well, I want to break through and know this person. I don't know, you feel that way at all? You think that is that is that just me like overanalyzing stuff or um I want to make sure I'm on the same page with you here. I I was pretty shitty up until honestly, I still am kind of shitty about this stuff. There are certain types of shy people that I've met, both men and women, who I have not been very kind to in some social situations because of the fact that like they just like, they would not say fucking anything. Like I would be, and, 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 well, and I'm to, just kind of talking about society. Not really. Oh you know I mean? yeah. 
and I know that sounds harsh, but like, I think because I don't want to seem shy, people who were even more shy than me, I think that's, that's, that's the whole key to it, right? Like the things that other people do that annoy us are what annoys us about ourselves. Um, in society, yeah, definitely. Shyness is coded, I think, a lot of times towards women. So I liked here that it seemed like Nick Cave was implying that like he and his wife were feeling shy and that it was being like, it's a more universal feeling as opposed to like, I think a lot of the time growing up, it probably meant you were kind of a weak kid, you know? I, I think part of that might be American and anyone not from America. I'd love to hear what you have to think about it because I'm not super well versed in like European cinema or, or literature but a little bit and i do feel like in those cultures a shy woman is like a woman of mystery and is like exciting yeah like i i I do think you see that a lot in like european art but in Mm. america i feel like a shy woman is just like oh you're a bitch like why won't you talk to me yeah definitely or or um you know shyness is an excuse for someone to just harass you too you know it can go both ways yeah but for men it's like almost like a positive like i mean every personality trait for a man can be like positive like oh he's stoic and a man a few words yeah isn't that interesting yeah that's a that's a great point i'm glad you brought that up i also think like there's a lot of times in social settings where men ignore women which they'll blame later on like, oh, I'm just awkward around girls when really what it is is like you're shy too. You don't want to admit it. And you also like preferred to give attention to the men instead of like, you know, integrating or like saying hello to the woman, which is something I've definitely done in the past. And I wish I hadn't, but I try really hard not to do it anymore. And I always like, you know, if I see a woman in a group, I always like make sure that I address them and try to include them. And, you know, it's it's sort of an inherent social thing I unfortunately like I think it happens a lot more like you know you just have to be I ha- I had to be better about like if I met somebody and they were like with their girlfriend like I'd be like oh what's your name you know like if it's just like some, like a buddy of mine and they have their they have this like new person they're dating you know so I think there is a lot of inherent There's also misogyny that weird in thing where like I think this is way more of a male thing but maybe only in my experience but yeah I think there's that weird thing where like some people a guy will start dating someone and they like don't want them to know their friends. So it's like really awkward. <laughs> like they don't want you to talk to their girlfriend. Like they want to keep those two lives separate. We definitely know uh, at least a couple, like one or two people like that. And I've always felt like that's weird. Um, but I think, I think that's fucked up, but I also know that everybody's different and some people just like, go like head first into a relationship and you know maybe their I mean, partner let's be honest it's usually like shitty bro kind of dudes because yeah. i think they want to be like an asshole bro around their guy friends but they can't act like that around the girlfriends so they're like i got to keep these two social circles separate right you're right and i think that's unfair and shitty on a lot of levels um yeah that's really interesting i'm glad you brought that up about the feeling like it's a mis- it might be a misogynistic term because I definitely think that it's been used that way. And it's funny how one, a quality in a man can be viewed as positive but negative in a woman, even though they're basically the same thing. 
everything. I, I just feel like I rarely heard, I rarely hear the word shy referred to like an adult man called shy. It's usually yeah. like he's reserved or he's stoic. Like I feel like for adults, shy or quiet. Usually, Quiet's like, a, a big one. Oh, like a feminine thing. Yeah, quiet. But like usually the word shy, I feel like is directed towards women. Yeah, yeah. Or children. Which makes you wonder a little bit about like he did choose Susie as his, you know, muse for this, you know, so to speak. But I think that by the end of it, they're both. Well, uh, I did witness that firsthand when I saw Nick Cave uh, do his Q&A. Someone asked a question mentioning Susie and he was like, oh, Susie's actually right behind the curtain here uh, if you want to come out. And he asked her like three times if she wanted to like come out on stage with him, and she just, I guess, kept saying no. Yeah, yeah. She didn't like, but you know, again, I I return to that like she just he just paints such a beautiful picture of her being so like emotionally sensitive, and she can like sense things in other people, and she has such a powerful reaction it is very, to it. Uh, you know, if we could be in our sixties and still talk about our partners in this way, like. That would be a very noble thing to like aspire towards. Yeah, I think we will be. I think we will. But back to this to the song itself. I, I think these like this, the letter to Cynthia, like I think this is stuff for super fans. You know he's yeah. not gaining new fans with these songs, you know. This is for this fan service. In. Yeah, it's cool. I'm not the biggest spoken word guy, so I probably you know, I never listened to the letter to Cynthia thing after the episode. I don't yeah. know if I'll ever return to this, but it's neat. And, you know, for the vinyl people out there, I'm sure these seven inches are going to be like a hot item. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's cool. You know, it's it's just cool. He's constantly releasing stuff. Not everything has to resonate with me the way a ghostine does for me to enjoy it. Yeah, 100%. I don't have anything else to add. I I, I share all the same thoughts. I I think it's... I think it's fan service. I think it's great fan service. I think that people who are Nick Cave fans are lucky right now because once that B-Sides and Rarities album drops, like he just added like 30 more like songs or like demos that people get to like bask in the glory of and, you know, in it, like devour and like be reignited with their love for Nick Cave. I, I, I don't know. They've got a fantastic like designed to their like music rollouts and i i don't want to say that i i don't think that the pandemic was good for anyone but as far as like the things that they put out during the pandemic have all been really strong even the stuff that's like a one and done kind of thing like this yeah i think he found a way to like kind of address it address like the reality of what we were all living in without being ham-fisted or mm-hmm Two on the nose to where you were like, oh, I don't even want to deal with this. Yeah, and it's interesting that he's bringing these topics back up during a time where people are probably feeling more shy. Like, I remember feeling this when I visited Louisville a couple, like, I guess exactly a month ago I was there um, for your birthday. And I remember feeling this way, like going out places and talking to servers and, you know, seeing people at the Cadillac Young show and I felt different. You know, I really did. I'm not saying that just because they tell you like new normal and everybody's going to be weird after the pandemic. Like it's, it, it was, it was weird. And I think that 
there's going to be an interesting shift where I think there's going to be, as Tim Heidecker would say, no more bullshit. <laughs> I think I think people are, I think people are still going to bullshit with each other to to a degree. But like, I don't know about you, but when I was at that show, like, I didn't want any bullshit. Like, I wanted to talk to Calvin about you know his son and what he's been doing, and you know laugh and joke around with him and enjoy Mike's music and like I didn't want like I, I just I, I I and I don't know if that was just like a vacation mentality because I was like on I was on a break from work and visiting but I, I definitely I get just getting older like yeah he's just getting older like you don't the pandemic the pandemic might have like exacerbated the feeling but I think it's just like we don't need to play like any social games anymore. Like if there's someone yeah. a thing we want to see, we can just talk to them for two hours and not feel like we have to like make small talk with every person whose name we know. Yeah. And if we want to do exactly. that, that's fine. But like now I feel okay. Like if there's just one person at the thing I really want to see, I'll talk to them for half an hour and like not feel bad about not making the rounds. Exactly. Well, I think that was, Shyness by Nick Cave. Ian, do you have any last thoughts you want to add? I don't. We covered it. I, I do want to bring up, while we're on the subject of, like, you know, uh, love was, like, a big topic in that piece and the in the spoken word song. Uh, Nick just put out a Red Hand Files, I think today, about the concept of, like, a muse. And I guess Susie Cave said she didn't like... The word muse, she found it demeaning. Mm-hmm. And he said that he kind of agreed with that because it is the word kinda. muse is typically always a man referring to a female. You hardly hear, hear of a woman being like, this guy is my muse, you know? Right. Exactly. And he said that in his art, she he considers her his muse because she he doesn't really ever write a song about her. Mm-hmm. He just writes things. And her presence is like in the song somewhere. And I thought that was a beautiful, I thought that was just a beautiful sentiment. I feel the same way about my partner. I, I, I rarely ever write a love song, but I will find myself writing a song and I like mention her, like something we did together is in the song, but I'm not writing a love song about her. Yeah. I, I just, that, that idea hit home with me. Yeah. I think muses are kind of an old, they're old. They're, they're just an old concept and I think they're outdated and I think they're beautiful and they're like, I think that it's a great thing, but I think muses typically tend to be female and almost always they're like portrayed in like a sexual or like kind of manipulative role for the use and consumption of a male artist. And I think in that sense, like I like her perspective and that it's like we both influence each other or both each other's like influence yeah. and you know, I think they both have control of their own perspective, and I think that's cool. Have you read that story in the Sandman comic where that guy, like, um, imprisons one of the Greek muses? I don't know if I have. He, like, chains her up in his attic or, like, in his upstairs, and he basically rapes her, and he becomes, like, this best-selling author. And as long as he keeps, like, having sex with her. Wow he will make this great art and I mean, it's pretty graphic, obviously. I mean, they don't graphically show that in the comic, but the concept is graphic, but 
I do think that is like a good metaphor for how kind of the word muse is thought of. Like it is like using a woman to further your own career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's what's gross about it is like, and there, and there were probably guys who they would like be dating someone and just, you know, be like when they're like not creating what they want to create, if they're like a writer, or like a musician, they just like, okay, time to date somebody new and get some new inspiration, you know? Well, I've heard like, you know, artists, like musicians, you know, they'll talk about like a breakup and they'll be like, we broke up, but I was like, oh, this is like, I can make an album about this or like, this can be a song. And if that's how you cope, that's cool. But like saying it like that, that that's a human being who like mm-hmm. also had their heart broken. It seems yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It just seems kind of shitty. Agreed. I agree. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because it was uh, Susie related and Red Hand Files related. But yeah, that's about all for me. Uh, you know, just a cool little spoken word track that uh, I, I think probably his intention for these is to just make people think and have conversations like this. I'm sure he knows this isn't like something people are going to listen to over and over again. But get your mind going. As always, if you want to check out more episodes, our uh, episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please leave us a five-star rating and a review if you'd like on Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify, I don't believe, believe uh, allows re- uh, reviews, but you can follow us so you get updates. They don't believe in reviews. They don't believe in reviews. Uh, they... You can follow us on there and you'll get all the new episodes like showing up in your homepage on Spotify so you know when their uh, new episodes are dropping. Um, I do. I am note, like trying to note this here and there for the next month or so. We did kind of pivot to doing music that's not just Nick Cave or Nick Cave adjacent. So we've got a couple episodes coming out at or around this episode that are focused on artists uh, that are outside of Nick Cave's world. So if you see those and you're kind of curious and you want to check them out, or if it's not your thing, then just stay tuned. We're going to have more Nick Cave stuff coming down the way. Uh, And then we're available on Instagram for conversation, and you can follow us for social media posts at Jubilee Street Pod on Instagram. And then we also have a link tree on our Instagram page where you can find all of our links to our YouTube page, Uh, and then the previously mentioned uh, podcast apps. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. That's it for that one. Bye, everybody.